Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Friday edition of Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you on the program. And you are welcome to participate in the show by texting in 314-399-9646. And John Denton of MLB.com is going to be with us talking Cardinal baseball. The momentum halted last night uh, with the loss 5 nothing to the Pirates. He'll be with us coming up here, oh, in less than 12 minutes, Jackson. I really enjoy that John Denton. Me too, man. I think he's, he's going to be a regular on the show. Oh, he's great. He really is. I really I really like him. How about this? Uh, Taylor Twelman's going to be a regular on the show. I want to get Dogs Talk on. Absolutely. So man. Taylor Twelman's going to be a regular every Tuesday. So we got to figure out a day for John Denton, the blue season. Coming to a conclusion last night, Jordan Bennington played damn well. I was watching some of that along with the Cardinal game. Um, but it was not enough. The season wraps up with the loss to the Stars, and so uh, that wraps that up. So we will no longer have JR on Mondays, Chris Kerber on Tuesdays, Darren Pang on Wednesdays, and so Taylor Twelman on Tuesdays, and we'll figure out what day works best for John Denton for Cardinal Talk. Um, so John is going to be with us coming up at 10.15 today, but there is a Friday tradition unlike any other around here, and it's the Little Piddles Friday Six Shooter. It sure is. And I think people are really starting to to feel like it's part of their Friday routine. It's like people don't feel whole until You know what they... I say about Friday? Friday night is pizza night. You going to get some pie tonight? Oh, well, it's Friday night. Friday night is pizza night. I didn't know if that was like a blanket policy. No, uh, I, I will. I got to figure out where. That's the key. Whatever, you know, my wife and I will will have texts starting around 3 o'clock and uh, and then, I, then, I, then we kind of have a rotation of about six places, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's you know I have a sneaker spot in the south side that pizza go go right oh how do you do yeah right there right across from Epiphany Bowling Lanes I like that that's a great spot that's uh, that's a great play that's in the rotation so yeah if I'm, uh, that could be the play today I don't unless I don't know and if you see me there. I won't. I can't sign today. Can't. I don't have the time to sign today. No. And I don't do selfies unless you have a, a stool. I can imagine you walking in, hoodie, hood up, sunglasses on, even if it's dark. AirPods in, listening yeah. to nothing, but oh, he's, he's, he's on the phone. Yeah, I look like a poker player in the early 2000s. All right. What are the Cardinals going to do about Jordan Hicks? Jordan Hicks. Had well, they shouldn't record. pitch him in a 2 nothing game against the Pirates. It's one of the things I'd like them to do. I know that's retroactive, six-shooter, but I was really surprised when he popped out there last night. As was I. And But as, at this point, you can't put them down when they're down to or when they're up to because— But this, this Jordan Hicks thing isn't like this is Matthew Libertor. He's unfortunately been kind of a guy, and by that I mean a middling player, over the last few years— I know he's dealt with health and Tommy John, and but I just, for, the, for real, this is a couple of times here in the last two weeks, and I'm usually not, let me fill time on Sports Talk Radio by hammering the manager guy. I've been doing this long enough. It's not what I do. It, but if I see it, I also have to acknowledge, no you know, I'm not no. going to not do it either because I think it can be kind of hack. 
it I don't know why Jordan Hicks at this point appears when you're up ten nothing or down ten nothing, not down two nothing against the Pirates. And I know the Pirates bullpen is Chip Carey and Jim Edmonds were referencing last night on the broadcast is you know much better than it has been, but still. Jordan Hicks at this moment is gasoline on a fire. Yeah, I was bad. I was truly surprised by it. So the answer to your question, Jackson, is not pitch him in close games. Get him right, and get him right in uh, in a game you're getting crushed in, or hopefully a game this weekend where you're up by a good number of runs. I mean, you got this is this is kind of a rough spot here because you go from feeling like, all right, you got Montgomery, who's been your best pitcher, yep. against Vinny Velasquez, who has been terrible. Terrible! You're coming off two wins, two good comeback wins For against sure. the Rockies, and you lose that one, and then you go, oh, okay, well, now we got Woodford and Matt. This isn't necessarily optimal, and what if, I mean, Oviedo, the former Cardinals on the mound, what if this thing kind of gets away here, and you don't get to see the Pirates 18, 19 times anymore? So you got to seize your opportunity. And the Pirates, by the way, Eight and five. I don't know. Maybe there's something going on there. Well, I, I still don't. Night. I still don't know who most of the people in their lineup are, uh, and most of the people who come out and pitch for them. I don't know who they are. I remember Vinny Velasquez is a guy that I would bet against when he was in <laughs> Philadelphia, and I saw he had a nice ERA over nine entering last night, and he was dealing. Yeah, he carved them up. So, At the same time, Montgomery would pitch really, really well that's too. The, and you waste that start. That's the thing. That's the big problem. That's the thing. Like if it's a night where Woodford's given up eight runs and Velasquez is good, that's that's what makes that one tough. So I it, tonight again, I'm never going to go. Tonight is a huge game. <laughs> right, it's a, right. it's it's mid April, April right. against the Pirates. But with Matt's up next and uh, the Pirates actually perhaps being decent. You know, I don't know. I, I still can't imagine. I, I don't believe the Rockies or Pirates are going to be, you know, there when the final shot is fired. I don't see any evidence of it. But you left one out there last night. Uh, Jackson, what's your second question here on this Little Piddles Friday Six Shooter, a tradition unlike any other? You better believe it. Nolan Gorman has proven to be a very effective hitter who can hit for power. We had discussed before that he has kind of gone under the radar to some extent due to the emergence of Jordan Walker, but how much longer does he need to perform at this level before fans view him as a bona fide young star who can be a player Cardinals fans can cheer for for years to come? Uh, I would say that's something that would come with uh, a good four months and perhaps an all-star appearance mm-hmm. i understand i mean i would i would caution people even at this point uh, two weeks into the season but i'll tell you this he's one of the guys when i'm watching the game i'm like oh good gorman's up Great. and last night you saw it in the bottom of the eighth inning that was a hard hit ball the first base that thing was a rocket Ripped. and uh, unfortunately it was right at the first baseman but that ball was hit hard he and walker not necessarily last night walker just didn't look good last night but my god you know it's 13 games into his career those are going to happen um they hit the ball hard even when they're outs and that's one of the things if you really want to dig into numbers to look at not just from a hitter's perspective to see if he's on even if his average ops slugging aren't matching up uh, if a pitcher is is fooling people, not only the hard hit ball, but also uh, the swing and miss rate, and that's why last night was certainly alarming. I mean, I would imagine the Pirates probably went off at about plus one eighty, and uh, you know, I would have. I mean, that stuff's going to happen, and so that's what's going to happen over the course of a baseball season. It's one of the reasons why I hate a best of three, because that stuff's going to happen. Um, best of three series that is for the playoffs. 
But uh, no, Nolan Gorman, small sample size at this point. The thing that excites me about it is there was a change from last year. He implemented the change in spring training, had success with it, and the success is carried over to the first 13 games of this season. And so that gives me reason to think that it could be for the long haul, whether that be with the Cardinals or as a key trade piece should the team be in contention and want to acquire a starting pitcher he is his stock is much higher than it was when the team showed up to jupiter florida in mid-february agreed playing at the hand the cardinals get good production out of flaherty montgomery and michaelis and up and down from everyone else what do you think this team's potential is do you think they can win the division and be a playoff contender with only three guys giving them consistent pitching yes yeah because if you're i mean you, you presented a scenario that unless I'm misreading, it is essentially optimizing the ability of the position players. So then at that point, if you have three pitchers firing on all cylinders as well, then even on the two where you may have bad starts or average starts, if the offense is optimized, then you're going to outslug teams and win some of those games like the Blue Jays did and came back and won the opener, for example, against the Cardinals. So, yes, that would be quote-unquote fine what would be intriguing would be is how that would fare when you have to go up against whoever the best of the best is in the national league in october because we saw what that lineup that you know feasted on national league central teams in 2022 uh, did against aaron nolan zach wheeler god bless 26 years ago yesterday tiger woods won his first green jacket finishing 12 strokes ahead of second place winner tom kite and shot a masters four round record of minus 18. what are some truly jaw-dropping performances both locally in st louis sports and nationally where the athlete dominated the competition in such emphatic fashion as the kids would say some i'm him moments uh, let's see. I want people to text in because what you're going to do is you're going to come up with a bunch that I haven't thought of. 314-399-9646. I mean, to put it in the Tiger 1997 Masters realm, you're going above and beyond. I mean, David Freeze's 2011 postseason was, was absolutely incredible. I don't know if it was dominant like Tiger in 97, but it was, from a timing perspective, optimal. And that is one that will stand out to me. Um, I know we're talking about eight minutes, but it changed the world for St. Louis Blues hockey fans. Jordan Bennington, the first eight minutes of Game 7 of the 2019 Stanley Cup Final, uh, was superhuman. Yeah. Superhuman. And the, the, there's, there's just no other word for it. Uh, was it Game 4? Somebody texted in TMA over Chris Nagel yeah. last October. Yeah. Your performance in that specifically. Well, the ball striking wasn't at my normal level, but uh, Jackson, you picked up the slack there and in my flat blade. Uh, still, I think Chris Nagel uh, hasn't slept since October because of that. Was it uh, game four of the 2011 World Series where Albert, Kirk Albert Gibson, had? Kirk Gibson, 68 season. Nice play. 618. Very nice play. Was that uh, when Albert game had three, three home runs? Game three of the 2011 World Series, three That's home when, runs? Yeah, Albert had three home runs. That was a thing that Pujols would do. There are certain guys like this, and this is one of the reasons why I was high on Kepka and P. Reed, and I said that on the radio, so this isn't like, yeah, I said it. No, where's the evidence? I don't know. I said it to my buddy when we were you know, drinking 40 ounces on the corner. <laughs> uh, th- this was... Uh, Pujols got criticism for some defensive play in Game 2 
they blew a lead against the Rangers. They were about to go up 2-0, and they blew the lead, and the Rangers came back, and they won game two, and Pools either cut a ball off or didn't cut a ball off. And so, it be, and then I think he might not have spoken to the media after the game. And so, for 48 hours, Albert Pools was catching, you know, because the national story, they have to have a story, you know. And so, that was the story. Albert Pools would look game two, you know, and here's a guy with already a Hall of Fame career, and he wasn't even halfway through it at that point. Uh, and I'm like, man, this guy, he's one of those guys. Like, when I'm, when I'm, when I, when, what do I mean by one of these guys? Assuming you've watched The Last Dance, I mean Michael Jordan looking at the iPad. And, and picking whichever guy in his mind really slided him or he fictitiously created that they had slided him right, right. to motivate him. Albert Pools is one of those guys. That's why I was talking about Kepka and P. Reed last week at the Masters. They have that personality trait. Tiger actually has that personality trait. It just wasn't on display last week where they... I mean, how many times over the last few months have we heard a team win a championship and we heard nobody believed in us, nobody believed in us. Kirby Smart's saying that after they go undefeated and win the national champion. Dude, who didn't believe in Georgia? <laughs> you know? Nobody believed in us. Nobody believed in us. It becomes the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Charles Kelsey. Kelsey yeah. I'm going, who the hell didn't believe in you? But if you can convince yourself that you're an underdog and you picture Kurt Russell, Herb Brooks, you know, great moments are born for great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, gentlemen. That's what you've earned here tonight. You can fire yourself up and do things that are superhuman. So uh, it can be a psychological trick, and it can lead to absolute superhuman greatness. Yeah, agreed. It's uh, 10.15 now, so we probably... I, you want me to finish the six No, well, then we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll finish it up after we talk it over with John Denton. He is going to join us next. We'll talk all things Cardinals. Any questions, comments, you want us to talk it over with John Denton. We will do that coming up here in a matter of moments. You're welcome to text them in. 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service text line. This is Balloon Party driven by Mungan St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acker, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you for one hour of Radio Magic. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the program one of our favorites from MLB.com, John Denton. John, good morning. Hey, Tim. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good. Yeah, absolutely. We always love having you on the show. Uh, we welcome our audience for any questions, comments they have for John. Don't hesitate to text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. Let me tell you something, John. Last night, because I'm a degenerate, last night I would have bet on the Cardinals all day long, and I actually was about to bet the over, um, but I just forgot to, which also shows my commitment to excellence. And and I'm glad that I did because, sure enough, of course, the Pirates wound up winning the game. But Vinny Velasquez, my main reason for wanting to take the over, somehow uh, was on fire last night. And he carried, what, a 9-plus ERA into the game? And, and he dealt. And unfortunately, that meant the Cardinals wasted what was a very good start from Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, you know, it, it was weird because, yeah, he, it, Velasquez has been knocked around. You expected the Cardinals to be a uh, hot offense coming off of the way they hit the ball in Colorado. And, you know, they hit a couple balls hard. Alec Burleson should have had three hits in his first three at-bats, and he had nothing to show for it because of a couple of good plays by the center fielder. Uh, Gorman hit a line drive right to the first baseman. They had hard-hit balls. They're a weird offense, Tim. I mean, they're top five in the league in average and on-base percentage and OPS. 
But then they, you know, they're at the bottom and, and runners in scoring position. They're only hitting two thirty eight with runners in scoring position. They're hitting two oh eight with runners in scoring position and two outs. So, you know, they they've scored like fifty six fewer runs than than Tampa Bay so far. So, they're hitting the ball. They're hitting the ball hard. They're just not getting runners in all the time, and it's 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 kind of confounding with this team. Yeah, I'd like to think you know the way that you have to think through that if you're talking about how great the numbers are offensively when you're not with runners in scoring position, that there may be a regression. But then the other way that that works is that inevitably there should be some kind of progression that if that offense is there without runners in scoring position, that inevitably that should improve. But unfortunately, next to the starting pitching that they've gotten in almost all of the games, minus the Flaherty start in Colorado and the three Jordan Montgomery starts, the mm-hmm. offense with runners in scoring position has been the reason why this team is a five and eight team as opposed to say an eight and five team. Um, yeah. Your your perspective on anything in particular the team is saying or Ali Marmol is saying in regard to what has gone on with the, the offense with a what is a, for the most part a stacked lineup not being able to convert multiple scoring opportunities so far. Yeah, you know, you know, good pitching is kind of like deodorant. It can cover up a lot of stink sometimes, you know. And, and when when your pitching's bad and, and you're down three nothing, you're down five nothing, it changes the whole feel of the game. Sometimes yeah. it breaks the spirit of your offense. And you know, Ali Marmol talked about that last night about how they came to this season wanting to to you know gain on the edges. They want to steal bases. They want to run on on certain catchers. They want to run on certain pitchers. You can't do that when you're down four nothing. You can't do that when you're down five nothing. You can't be stealing bases so you know when you fall in those early holes the way they have with with jake woodford the way they have with miles michaelis it it changes the whole complexion of the game and they've got to get better starting pitching i mean uh john mozalek said yesterday he said you know basically they evaluate pitchers after three starts if if tonight goes poorly for jake woodford i really think we could see matthew libertor in st louis you know maybe by middle of next week yeah libertor is off to a ridiculous start so far for memphis i i would imagine the cardinals are keeping an eye on that uh independent of what woodford does tonight but certainly if it's another rough outing for him you would think that that could wind up uh, happening sooner rather than later. I want to ask about three of the Cardinals' younger players, and uh, and I would still consider Jordan Hicks younger. He's only 26, even though he's been around for uh, a while, start joining the Cardinals back in 2018. I was surprised to see him out there in a game that was still within reach last night. I know the, the Pirates' bullpen to date is improved year over year, but that was a 2 nothing game. And based on Hicks's struggles to this point in the season, I was I was surprised by that. I know Ali Marmol talked about Hicks and what has to happen there going forward. So I have two questions for you. Uh, what did you think of Hicks being brought in at that point in the game? Obviously, it did not go well. And what do you think Hicks's use will be going forward, John? Well, you know, it, it came down to sheer numbers. They wanted to stay away from Helsley last night. They wanted to stay away from Verhagen. Uh, uh, Giovanni Gallegos pitched well in, in Colorado. So it came down to here's a guy, you know, Hicks had been out for three games sick. He hadn't pitched. And then there were guys that, that weren't available. So, you know, they, they believe in Hicks's talent. It's, it's you know, Ollie keeps saying it's a focus issue. And if you look, the first guy who comes in usually reaches base on Hicks. And we all know that's like, you know, pouring, pouring gasoline on a fire yeah. with a reliever. You know, he comes in and it's a four-pitch walk right off the bat. You know, that has to 
that's happened multiple times this season where they, they think he's just it's a focus issue. It's an intention issue where, you know, you've got to be ready to go from that first at bat. And he struggled with his mechanics. He struggled with his health. Uh, they believe in his talent. They think he's going to get it back at some point. But, you know, at, at this rate, Hicks is more of a liability right now with the way he's pitching. And like you said, that was a two-run game last night. Maybe you go somewhere else with it. But he had been out for three games. He needed to pitch. Uh, you know, they, they they keep giving him chances, but, you know, he's, he's not taking advantage of these opportunities. John Denton, MLB.com, our guest here on 101 ESPN. So let's talk about two of the younger players with uh, a lot of anticipation and excitement. I feel like every time they come to the plate at this point, John, and that's Nolan Gorman and Jordan Walker. Walker just didn't have a good game last night, looked anxious, I think, at the plate, and uh, that's going to happen. But you can't argue with what you've seen uh, early on from Walker, carrying that over from spring into the regular season. Uh, and I know you monitor his situation quite closely. What are your thoughts on what is going on with Jordan Walker and any possibility the Cardinals looking at moving him up in the lineup? You know, last night he admitted after the game, it was the first time all season where he, he wasn't picking the ball up well for some reason. He said, you know, they went from two gig two day games to a night game. He couldn't get the couldn't get the change up out of Velasquez's hands. A lot of a lot of pitchers now, instead of throwing him fastballs, they're throwing him all off speed. They're throwing him curveballs, yeah. they're throwing him ups, they're throwing him out of the zone. And he has gotten a little jumpy lately. You know, he he to say the truth, he's twenty years old, he's full of all this energy, but he looks like a guy who needs a day off. And you know, Ollie wasn't gonna set him down during this uh this streak uh, that he had going the 12 game hitting streak. I would not be surprised if he doesn't get the day off today just to kind of recoup and refresh. But, you know, Tim, to tell you what kind of guy he was, uh, as soon as the game ended last night, he was in the, he was in the weight room for 30 minutes working out and doing some stuff with his legs, trying to, trying to get his legs back up under him. But, you know, the kid's a, he, he's an absolute, uh, godsend for this franchise. He's going to play right field for the next 10, 12 years and, and be great. Yeah, I, I, that's something I've talked about. It With that personality, that charisma, now you're talking about the work ethic, I think. Uh, we're looking at what could be a real cornerstone as far as not just a player, but also as a personality for the St. Louis Cardinals. Secondarily, Nolan Gorman and what he was able to do in Colorado and what he has done through the majority of the first 13 games this season. Uh, the swing change we talked about when uh, we were both down in Jupiter, Florida. Now we're seeing it work during the regular season. Uh, is this somebody who, at this point, do you think the Cardinals are going to try to find a way to get that bat in there no matter what? Are they still going to be playing more matchup-oriented lineups, as it seems to be the case in particular with the outfield at this moment uh, with Ali Marmol and his lineups? Yeah, they, they know they need his little bat in the lineup as much as possible. You know, they're a right-handed, heavy-hitting team. Um, you know, with, with with Goldie and Arenado and Contreras in the middle of their three right-handers, they need his left hand bat in the lineup. And you know, it, it, people are already starting to wonder. Contreras is struggling. At what point do you try to maybe get uh, Gorman at, at, up to the fifth spot? Uh, they, they're not. They don't want to entertain that idea yet. They want to show faith in Contreras. They want to stick by him. Uh, but but you know, Gorman is is incredible. They always knew the power was there. It was just a matter of figuring out that swing. And, you know, I, I think with a lot of times with kids, uh, fans think that the growth is always linear. It's up, 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 up. Well, you know, occasionally there's going to be sidesteps and there's going to be seasons like last year. And a lot of people were ready to give up on Nolan Gorman. And I think we talked about it last week. He hasn't even turned 23 yet. Sir. You know, so he's, he's still such a young kid. He's got so much power. I mean, he's been great his whole life. He's always been 
great at baseball. He's he's played. I think his senior high school, he was in three home run derbies, and he won all three of them. One of them was at uh, Wrigley Field in, in Chicago. So he's been great, and you know he has greatness written all over him, especially now that he's figured out how to handle that high fastball. Uh, I, speaking of younger players, it's not like Dylan Carlson is is turning thirty this year. He's still only twenty four years old. What a what a road he has been on going back to last year's trade deadline when he was discussed as one of the targeted pieces on the part of the Nationals when the Cardinals were uh, potentially seriously entertaining or maybe it was just casual entertainment of Juan Soto. And now, I mean, Burleson has supplanted him as far as appearances in games and at-bats. I recognize Newt Barr is out, and that's playing an impact in it. But what is... What is the status of Dylan Carlson with the Cardinals at this moment, John? You know, he's he's become a fringe player and I'm I'm totally not on board with that. That's one that I agree with. You know, I, I think I think Dylan Carlson is one of their most talented players. Did he hit the ball left handed last season? No. He you know, he struggled from that side of the plate. But he spent his whole off season here. He put on extra weight, he put on extra muscle. He had a great camp. Uh, you know, he struck out a little too much, but he but he hit the ball a lot harder, hit the ball better. Um, I'm afraid they're they're stunning his growth by pushing him, you know, kind of pushing him aside. I get that Alex Burleson has a good bat. Alex Burleson gets the, you know, the barrel on the ball. But I just think, you know, the total package of defense and, and hitting the ball and speed, I think Dylan Carlson is one of their better players. I think he needs to be playing more. Uh, you know, even after Lars Newbar comes back, I think Dylan Carlson needs to be in the lineup. I'm a, I'm a big Dylan Carlson supporter, and I just worry that with him getting pushed aside like this, you know, you you wonder is it going to stun his growth? And like we talked about, he's what 22, 23 years old, so he's the guy still in the formative years of his career, and he needs to be playing to get better. So okay, then I want to do a little uh, follow up and deep dive on this situation. What has happened? And by that, I mean not just performance, but you go from John Mazalak on his own saying, hey, I walked up to him when we were on the road. I think they were in Washington, mm-hmm. coincidentally, mm-hmm. and let him know that he was not going anywhere because those reports were circling, that he was one of the, the pieces. If I'm not mistaken, and it may have been your reporting this offseason, uh, that the Cardinals were making him available to the A's in their conversations regarding Sean Murphy, and then he's not only supplanted in center with, with Tyler O'Neill, but even with Lars Newtbar on the IL, he's not getting much playing time. So what has happened in, since the end of July to present day where, like you just described him, he at this moment is a, is a fringe player for the Cardinals? They love him in the lineup when he's batting right-handed, yeah. facing lefties, but it's, you know, it's that left-handed bat uh, Going, going, you know, going against righties uh, that he struggles. Uh, you know, Cardinals. Uh, I know fans don't want to hear it, but they, the Cardinals, dig dive deep into predictive analysis, and they have computer models that show which hitters swing paths match up with which pitchers, uh, which which hitters have the best predictive uh, percentages, and a lot of nights for whatever reason that comes out to be Alec Burleson, and they believe in Burleson's ability to you know get the bat to the ball, but. I just think when you look at the total package, like Dillon is probably their best center, best defender, period, in the outfield. Uh, I, I think I still think he's better than Tyler O'Neill in, in, in the outfield defensively. But, you know, for whatever reason, they like Burleson's ability to get the barrel to the ball now over Carlson. And, you know, you, you just wonder, you know, when a kid's playing this little, does it stun his growth? Because 
he's full of talent. He's a first-round pick. Uh, you know, I, I do think they want to kind of light a fire under him. Dylan's kind of a, a calm, cool California guy. Uh, you know, they're, they're hoping to see a little more fire out of him. He made he made three or four great catches so far. He hurt his neck the other night. Yeah. He probably would have been there the other night. But uh, uh, I just think it's way too early to give up on Dylan Carlson. On the other end of the age spectrum, we have Adam Wainwright. And uh, you have a story talking about how it might wind up working out for Wainwright, his own words, that he wound up going on the injured list. He wanted to make it clear. It's not like he was trying to get in, injured and miss the start of the season. Um, expound on that and your perspective on Wainwright and if and when we will see him in the month of April. Yeah, we all, you know, I mean, Adam Wainwright is Mr. Positivity. He's going to find a, a, a positive in every negative. And he said, you know, it, it may work out the best for him that he's missed this time. He had a round of back spasms right before spring training. That messed up his left leg. Uh, he's still been dealing with a lot of back soreness. Uh, his velocity was way down. And he thinks he's, he's been able to use this time. He's got that velocity back over 90 miles an hour. Uh, today's a big day for Adam. He's going to face hitters for the first time. Uh, Lars Newtbar will be back from Arkansas. He's going to face uh, Wayno. Uh, Wayno said he's faced imaginary hitters for the last three weeks. So today he gets to face real hitters. And if today goes well, I think he'll make a, a rehab start either in Memphis or Spring Hill, Springfield or something like that. And then, you know, if that goes well, he could be back in the rotation as, as early as, uh, you know, maybe the road trip uh, on the West Coast. Uh, Tyler O'Neill said something. Jackson, what did you say Tyler O'Neill said on Monday night at Coors Field? Well, he was talking after the win on Wednesday, but talking about on Monday, he felt the energy in the clubhouse flip. Okay, and that's a game they lost. Uh, John, you're around the club. You see behind the scenes. Uh, I was curious uh, if that had anything to do with what had transpired the week before between Marmol and O'Neill. Um, I certainly thought the comeback on Tuesday night could be one of those games, and it still might prove to be if they go on like a 7 of 8 or 9 of 10, a uh, game where it kind of switches the momentum for the team. Did you sense any uh, mood swing, energy swing uh, coming off of the loss on Monday, which was surprising for me to hear O'Neill say that about the loss on Monday? And then secondarily, um, anything lingering after the Marmol O'Neill conversation last week that played out publicly you know jordan walker actually said last night he said uh, the tuesday pregame hitting session they had a hitting session as they all do before every game and he said nolan arenado spoke up about energy and wilson Contreras was very fiery kind of lit into the other hitters about them underachieving and the, the team not playing up to its potential and it sounds like that that pregame hitting session on tuesday uh, hitters meeting before Tuesday's game got, you know, pretty, pretty emotional, uh, a lot of loud voices and, and that kind of sparked the team. So that was, that was kind of a turning point. Like you said, that, that comeback win, you know, we could look back weeks from now and say, Hey, that's where it kind of changed. Uh, as far as the Tyler O'Neill stuff, you know, Ollie's trying to get Tyler. Tyler's been given a, a great opportunity to play center field. And, you know, that moment was about so much more than just Tyler O'Neill rounding third that night. It's about them wanting him to play with emotion and play with fire and hustle every chance he gets. Like, he's getting a heck of an opportunity to play center field, even though they know right now Dylan Carlson's their better defensive center fielder. They think Tyler can be great in center field. They think he can win a gold glove in center field. So that 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 outburst with Ollie 
was about so much more than just that night of him rounding third base. They, they want to send a message to Tyler. They want to light a fire under Tyler that he's getting a heck of an opportunity and he needs to take advantage of it. John Denton, MLB.com is where you can read him. A uh, regular here on 101 ESPN with us, and we always enjoy the conversation. John, thank you so much as always, and have a great weekend, man. All right, appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for having me. That's John Denton, MLB.com, with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Uh, Jackson, I just read something here during the previous commercial break uh, that I think is going to stun our audience, and it has to do with the St. Louis Cardinals. I'll tell you what that is on the other side of the break. So good at teasing. No, I'm so excited about myself. I really am. Uh, it's fun to be me. Uh, that's uh, coming up on the other side of the break. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. Action Jackson's on the ones and twos, and he is creating remixes. Jackson, I just teased you. Do you even know where I'm going with this tease from no the previous idea. segment? No idea. That's how teased I am. Yeah. I have no clue, but I'm so on the edge of my seat. Um, I told the audience the following, for those of you just joining us. I will have a piece of information regarding the St. Louis Cardinals that will absolutely stun you. Jackson, it's time for that information I can't wait. to be delivered here on Balloon Party. What percentage, I'm asking you, okay. what percentage of homes in St. Louis have access to cardinal baseball right now Mm, what percentage of st louis households have access to cardinal baseball i will say 23 percent you think 23 percent yep all right fair enough and i read from this morning's athletic the story opens with this here's a scary number for you commissioner rob manfred told the room St. Louis, great baseball market. You know what percentage of homes in St. Louis have access to baseball right now? Anybody want to guess? One of the attendees at a luncheon hosted by the Paley Media Council in New York took a stab. 98%? Yeah, that isn't it. 15's the answer, Manfred said. Oh, man. 15. It's because of cord cutting and the fact that operators like Diamond have not even gotten full distribution within the traditional cable bundle, end quote. That's Rob Manfred in The Athletic this morning. Now, the author goes on to say that percentage refers not to the city of St. Louis alone, but to the Cardinals' overall television territory, which stretches beyond Missouri and Arkansas, Illinois, Iowa, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Mississippi, and Tennessee. But it's surprisingly low. Quote, we're going to put the word reach right over the entrance to the commissioner's office, Manfred said. It's kind of our number one 
thing. Sinclair's Diamond Sports Group, the parent company of 19 Bally RSNs that broadcast 14 different MLB teams, including the Cardinals, filed for bankruptcy a month ago, and the process is rightfully driving a lot of attention. Diamond has said in court it plans to cut rights fees to three teams, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Cleveland Guardians, and the Minnesota Twins. MLB and the teams have filed emergency motions to intervene. But as Manfred pointed out, the issue goes beyond bankruptcy. Even in the absence of Chapter 11 proceedings, it's not ideal when a team like the Cardinals is not distributed widely across the team's territory. Quote, the problem is we granted exclusivity in places where the cable distributors never actually distributed the product. Those people, as of right now, are just out of luck. So, for example, one that I cite often because I'm there a decent amount, or used used to be there even more, is Las Vegas. And if you're in Las Vegas, and if you're a resident of Las Vegas, if memory serves, you are blacked out from, I got to do this, uh, I'm just going to go from Southern California and up, uh, San Diego Padres, Los Angeles Angels, Los Angeles Dodgers, Oakland A's, San Francisco Giants, and then we're going to go shoot back down to the Southeast, Arizona Diamondbacks. I think I've covered everybody that you're blacked out from. Unbelievable. Unbelievable is a perfect way to describe it. Unbelievable. And so you might be living in Tennessee, but you could be in Cardinal territory, and you may be blacked out on the MLB app. And so when I read that, that is now, I think it's important to note, as the author says, He's calling it. He's calling St. Louis the territory. Right. That's a big. So territory. we're not talking about like the metropolitan area of three million people. When he says it, I mean that's what he said, and he said it for effect. But what he was trying to drive home to people who are in media, and not I'm not talking about like on air people. Uh, I'm talking about the business people in media, driving home the mess that is the state of play. Now here's the thing. I would imagine if they were getting paid they might not be making as big of a deal about it. But since Diamond Sports has decided, well, we're not going to pay three teams, they are also saying we've got to tend to the situation, in part because uh, the financials don't work, but also in part because the model doesn't work. It's not the way many people, in particular younger people, consume media, and that is by having a cable subscription. Have you ever had a cable subscription? No, sir. No further questions. Right. And the model at the moment is somewhat, I don't want to say fully because I know plenty of people watch on cable, but it's somewhat outdated. It's certainly not the future it once was. And now that somewhat outdated model is getting in its way of growth. People who live, like you said, maybe Memphis, Tennessee, love the Memphis Redbirds, don't have, if they get the MLB TV package, can't watch the Cardinal game because they'll be blacked out. You can't let your old ways get in the way of progress. The old way made a lot of money. And so what I'm saying is while it might be sounding like the commissioner has found religion, the reality is the religion was only found once the checks stopped coming in. And I understand that. I don't like to do high moral ground guy because I'm a business guy too. But they then, once they realized, oh, they're filing for bankruptcy, well, now we'll talk about this being a problem. If they weren't filing for bankruptcy, this has been a problem for years. It just became a problem for the people in New York City in the offices because now they're not getting the checks or they're going to have to go to court in order to get them. 1050 in St. Louis, this time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Final segment of Balloon Party as the Little Piddle Six Shooter is brought to a stunning conclusion and a cliffhanger for the weekend. Hmm. What do you know? How do you do? We've said it all. (laughs) It's coming up next here on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, breaking news, Jackson here, and so that's going to have to keep uh, the six-shooter on the on the back burner. I hate to do that. Wow. But uh, you've compared me to, was that Walter Cronkite? Yeah. You said it reminds you of? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here you go. Uh, this uh, just in uh, this morning, uh, there is now momentum for sports gambling in the state of Missouri and a deal to possibly get done this legislative session. Uh, I read from MissouriNet.com. Uh, this week, uh, Denny Hoskins, uh, Representative, our uh, straight Senator Denny Hoskins, uh, Republican from Warrensburg, who has been uh, the person who has uh, been talked about as the biggest roadblock between this legislation getting accomplished and uh, the majority of the other reps and senators in Jefferson City uh, because of the bill that would regulate video lottery machines. Uh, So at this moment, uh, several bills are being discussed, and there is a belief that it could get done, says a uh, state senator. Uh, I'm quote, I'm working with Senator Hoskins. Quote, "We we had a meeting this week. I'm very optimistic that we're going to come to an agreement to get it done. As everybody knows, it's kind of been hinging on Senator Hoskins, so I'm going to keep working on it. And that is where it's at at the moment. Quote, Hoskins has a uh, bill that would regulate video lottery machines. Uh, Quote, well, I think the VLT discussions off the board. Uh, We saw what happened in the Senate last week. It went down in flames. I think right now it's come down to the fees, the tax rate, and making sure we get what people want in the state. Everybody wants sports gambling. They don't want, or they haven't talked about, VLTs, and that is the video lottery uh, discussion that has held this thing up. So perhaps, perhaps this could be getting done here very soon. Be awesome. Be awesome. It seems like you talk about getting in your own way. It seems like Missouri likes to do that, especially when it comes to this situation. But if they could, man, I think it'd be so great for the state. I think it would be a huge moneymaker. And I think it's time. It's just time to catch up because people are going to Illinois. People are going to Kansas. Why miss out on that money when you so, have two biggest cities right there? We will see if it can indeed get accomplished here. But that is what was just reported this morning by MissouriNet.com. And that is a quote from one of the other state senators regarding uh, the momentum to get this accomplished. Uh, Things have improved, and, quote, there may be a breakthrough soon, end quote. So there is some news for those of you who want sports gambling in Missouri that would be uplifting going into the weekend. BK and Ferrario are coming up next. For Action Jackson, I am Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.